My wife retires from her fifth grade teaching job tomorrow. Let's talk about retirement, both from a financial standpoint and a mental standpoint. So you might be wondering, since we're talking about retirement today, are we going to focus only on teachers, only on substitute teachers? Well, I'll tell you now, it's going to be a little bit of help for everybody. I'm even going to talk to you about how I taught retirement in my math class and my computer class this year. We'll talk about it from finance standpoint. We'll talk about it from keeping your sanity standpoint. I am not a financial advisor, so I'll say that up right up front. I am not going to give you advice on things to buy and things to invest in, but it is going to be more streamlined towards, yes, it's important to invest however you do that, and it's important to think about what you're going to do after retirement and when you're going to start preparing yourself for that. And the reason it's not only timely just because of my wife's retirement, this past week, we just finished school. We had a lot of outside activities to let those kids enjoy themselves the last week of school. And it also gave us as teachers, while we were out chaperoning, time to just talk about all kinds of stuff and Retirement comes up quite often. Now, let's get this out of the way. Well, it's not really out of the way because it's not going to go away, but teachers' retirement can be a very controversial subject. Kentucky's last governor probably didn't win his election because he had very little support from the teachers because of the status of the retirement system here. So let's get that out of the open. Do you have the right to complain about it? Of course you do, and probably you should. That's the only way that maybe things will be affected and get get changed over time. But it's going to take some time. So I would ask as we go into this discussion and this analysis that we – Just concentrate on trying not to be bitter for a moment and instead say, all right, given the fact that the system doesn't work as well as I had hoped it would, how do we plan for things now? So that's where I'll go. Now, I'm going to flashback three years right now. I am going to remind you that I retired as an accountant three years ago, and I had a retirement system that was developed for the University of Kentucky that is probably one of the best ones I've ever heard about. Teachers are not going to have a retirement plan that great, but they do have a plan that they can supplement to their normal retirement plan and help them out quite a bit. So we'll talk about that. I like to talk a little bit about an old episode of Andy Griffith. If you've ever watched Andy Griffith, you remember the old man that they were getting ready to evict from his house. He had nothing to sell, so they'd started 
digging through his old shoebox of old trinkets that, you know, magnets he had collected on vacation, all kinds of stuff like that. Then they came across a Civil War bond. The funny thing about the Civil War bond is that it was issued in 1865. This episode was recorded in the 1960s. So this $100 bond had been in this man's possession. It was actually his father's for, it was a hundred, I think they figured up a hundred periods, a hundred years, I guess they were going by a hundred years because it would have been the 60s to the 60s. So one day in class, I showed him the clip clip of that Andrew Griffith show because there is a line in there where the bank, where the town realizes after they were trying to evict him that they owed him for this $100 bond. And it wasn't just $100. It was $100 with 8.5% interest compounded annually for 100 years. Now, I put together a worksheet in my computer classroom to show them that the TV episode did not lie because they calculated that if that $100 were invested and let left to grow 8.5% for 100 years, that at the end of that 100 years, that bond was worth $349,000. I kid you not. Some of you are even saying right now, that was a TV show. It was made up. There's no way. I'm looking at the worksheet right now that we prepared in that class. So the beauty of compound interest or in your view, the or in what we're getting ready to talk about, the beauty of how stock investments can grow and help you out with your retirement. So as we were sitting around talking as teachers, I, you know, they know I'm a former accountant. They know that I know things like this about preparing yourself financially. And the best advice I give to them, there are a lot of you, I venture to say a lot of you substitute teachers may actually be doing it while you're becoming a full-time teacher. Now, I know even at the University of Kentucky, like I was talking about, you don't have to participate in their retirement plan. You don't have to donate to it or invest into it, have your money withheld from your paycheck until you're 30 years old. Now, when I was in there, I went ahead and did that, started investing right away. And the point I try to make, one of my jobs at the university was to advise nurses on going ahead and signing up for that as soon as they start being a nurse at the hospital, which is normally in around the age of 22. And you can say all you want to, that I need the money more then because maybe you're raising kids, you're young, you have expenses, all that is true. But the longer you wait, the longer you have to work before you retire. Because the beauty of that compound interest, let's go back to Andy Griffith just a moment. If I look back at that worksheet again, well, we were talking about how it was 100 years. But, you know, after year number 
90, I'm looking right at it, the value was 154000 After year 80, it was only 68000 not enough to retire on. But that's basically telling you that the majority of the growth comes in the latter years. So if you wait at age 22 all the way to 30, well, maybe that's eight years that you're not going to be prepared to retire. I am going to tell you, I used to advise the nurses. Now, University of Kentucky's financial plan was a very good one. They actually required you, once you started, at least by age 30, you had to invest 5% of your paycheck into your retirement fund. It was called a 403B. It's the same as a 401K. It's more for governmental and educational type institutions. But you had to put 5% of your paycheck in. But they matched double that. So if your investment going in was $100, they were going to put in $200. And so out of every paycheck, $300 was going into your retirement fund. Then you pick stocks, you pick what you want to invest in. You have to choose that on your own. I chose my own. They will give you financial advice if you want. There's plenty of people that want to advise you right now. So That is totally up to you. I was too stubborn for that. I wanted to do it on my own, and it worked out well. One of the presentations I did with those nurses was to show them how it's unusual, but at age 22, if they could stay with the University of Kentucky for 30 years, given the fact that maybe their salary grows by 2% a year, And given the fact that the average stock market growth is about 10% per year, and that's kind of been historical over years and years. I mean, my goodness, the last two years we've gone through, you remember in March and April of 2020 when all the COVID news started hitting, the market just plunged. Some people panicked. Some people went ahead and took their money out of the market when that happened, and that basically locked in their losses. It actually rebounded to the point that a lot of the funds grew between 50 and 75% after the initial scare of COVID was over. So, Even given all that, the market will still average about 10% growth. So that's what I told those nurses. And is it a bit of a gamble? Sure. Life's a gamble. Investing in a home is a gamble. Investing in real estate is a gamble. It looks good right now, but you remember things that happened back in 2008 and all that kind of stuff. So it doesn't matter what you choose to put your money in. There's always some risk involved. There's ways to, you can change that a little bit. But what I advise the nurses that at 2% salary growth, at 10% stock market growth, and with the company match, if they stayed with the hospital for 30 years, their investment amount, I would show them on a worksheet, would be well into the seven-digit category, and they could retire with over a million dollars and That's not far-fetched. Now, let's get back to teachers' retirement. 
There are several different graduated levels of retirement. I helped my wife work on a worksheet that showed us two different things, and I would encourage you to do that as well. The first part of it was look at your school setup, your your state's retirement setup, and they're probably going to be like Kentucky in that based on how many years of experience and all those types of things, you can retire with different dollar amount payments for the rest of your life. You can change it based on beneficiaries. You can change it for several different reasons, but the important thing is is to get in there and plan for it really as soon as possible. I know in our case, my wife also chose to have a side 401k that has done well for her, and of course, that's going to do as well as the amount that you put into it. So all that is part of this package. Then the second part of what we did in that worksheet You all know for a fact, and if you've listened to most of the episodes of this podcast, you know that after 38 years of being an accountant and getting into substitute teaching, I wish I had been a teacher all my life. I've had, I had a friend of mine at a graduation, eighth grade graduation, which by the way, I was invited to by softball players because it was my first bunch of kids two years ago that I taught for an extended amount of time. So it was really exciting for me to see them all and how they'd grown in two years. They asked me to come to that. And one of my friends there said, I can tell when I listen to your podcast that you've got so much passion for talking about substitute teaching. Do you wish you'd been a teacher? And I said, of course I do. That's that's exactly what I try to convey. So I want this to be something I can share with teachers. The second part of her worksheet had to do with what she wanted to do after she retired. It wouldn't be as much money, other than the 401k investment, it wouldn't be as much money as a pension, the old-fashioned, the old-style pensions that were called defined benefit, that kind of thing. You would lose some money from the time you retired, from what your normal paycheck had been. So we started doing what's called a break-even worksheet. How many hours of substitute teaching that would she need to do if she wanted to continue that? She's also come up with some other things she can make money at. So in that way, we're, we're, uh, we're similar in that I couldn't wait after I retired from my accounting job to find out all the different things I could do that I wanted to do to make money on. So I wrote a book. I started a podcast. I started substitute teaching. I started getting more involved with volleyball officiating, and now I'm doing that just about every weekend. So all the passions that I have had in my life from a work standpoint that I've always wanted to try, I have enjoyed them so much. And She's going to do the same thing. She's going to find some ways that she can continue to do some things, maybe in the school system, maybe for other endeavors. It's still working, but it's having fun while you work. It's working with something that you love so much that it doesn't really feel like work. 
I've done club volleyball each of the last three weekends, and I have the same feeling after I finish. Last weekend, I, I refereed 16 different volleyball games, and I got home and said, man, that was some of the most fun I'd had in my life. So I can tell I really have a passion for that, and I'm glad it only took me 60 years to figure that out, but I'm glad that I was able to come up with something I really lo- love to do. So you need to be thinking about that. Get to a standpoint where you're thinking about what you want to invest in, how you want to determine that. You can do it all on your own. You can have a financial advisor. I've had some people tell me I, I would describe what I had invested in. Some of them said that I did better on my own than their own financial advisor did. I say that only to say this. Now, did I make money every year? No. Were there some years that I thought I was an idiot? Yes. Were there some years I thought I was a genius? Yes. So it's not for the nervous, but if you want to create your own investments in that kind of thing, I would encourage you to do so. The big plan is start planning for your retirement now financially. Figure out a way. The way I described it to the teachers this week, don't go into it and say, can I afford this? If from the very beginning you learn to live without so much money and instead investment, you are going to be so much more comfortable when you retire. So what? that's what I told him. Don't worry about, oh, I've got this to spend. I've got this to spend. I've got this to spend. Go ahead and start investing now before your expenses get out of control, or I should say overwhelming to a standpoint, because if you invest that right now, maybe the things that got you into financial trouble would not have happened because you would not have let them happen. You would not have bought as many things. And that would have been okay because you wouldn't have known what it was to have those because you never had them, if that makes sense. Level one of investment or retirement strategy, sit down with a piece of paper and think about when you were in retire. Think about what you want to do after you retire. There are some fairly easy ways to supplement teacher retirement I'm looking at the worksheet I prepared for my wife right now. We started with how much she was going to be paying. We did it a couple of different ways based on which option she chose and based on when she retired. And one of the options was would only it would only require her, if she wanted to do this, to substitute teach seven days per month. That's not that many what, 20 work days in a month. So that's basically a third of it. So every third day, or maybe you want to do a whole week and and take two weeks off. So it's really not that much just to get back to where you were. So it makes it as if you're not retired, you know, that, that you're still working, but yet you can do all the fun stuff that you want to do on those other times. The great thing about being a substitute teacher is you set your own schedule. Now, I'm going. I'm. It's. I've only been out of school two days. I already miss those kids. I was joking. I picked up cookies for my classroom. I think I got choked up just picking up the cookies to take to the classroom because I knew I was going to miss those kids. So, 
sit down with yourself, prepare a worksheet. You should know from Google Sheets how to do that. There are plenty of tutorials on YouTube. That's another thing that I taught my computer class, how they could become rich someday if they only did this and we put together some worksheets. We compared, we showed how compound interest worked. We showed them how that Andy Griffith episode worked, how it was calculated. By the way, the poor guy in the end didn't get any money because his bond, his Civil War bond, ended up being a Confederate bond. So it ended up being worthless because it was for the losing side. That is what I had taught them, and that is your first step. Now, let's talk about the mental aspect of it. Personally, If I retired three years ago and just decided to sit around the house, it would drive me crazy. When I come home from substitute teaching at a school and just come home and sit, I get lazy. I I mean, I get tired. I get tired early. I go to, you know, start dozing off. Part of that's my age. At the same time, when I go straight from school, to officiating either volleyball or softball. I actually feel better when I get home that night. I I feel like I got more energy then. Now, I sleep well that night, but I don't feel as lazy when I work from sunup to sundown in things that I enjoy than I do otherwise. Now, if I had a job I didn't enjoy, would that be the same? Of course not. So that's my point for your mental well-being Find something you enjoy doing. Not just find something to do. Find something that you enjoy doing. If you, Especially if you didn't particularly like your job that you left, if there was things about it you didn't like, well, start looking for things that you will like. Start looking for things that you're good at, that you will enjoy, that won't even feel like a job, and that will keep your mental sanity It's very important to do that. Another great thing about both of us being retired now is that we can set our vacation schedules differently. You know, all the Disney Worlds and the vacation outing places, they know that the most popular times to visit them is is during spring breaks and summer vacation, so the prices are through the roof then. I always use the cruise industry as an example. Now that they're starting to get back together a little bit, this is this is basically May 23rd, 2021. Travel industry is starting to pick themselves up back up a little bit. And we can now, we'll have the luxury of being able to go in the more reasonably priced seasons. When we traveled during the summer and during spring break, we were always paying the top price. Now there's stuff, especially with cruises, that they're just trying to get the cruise cabins filled, and you can basically get the same trip dirt cheap by going in the off-season. And the off-season not so much being only weather-based, but also being popularity-based time-based. There are so many occupations that can only vacation in the summer. They can't take a vacation to the Caribbean in February. They can't take vacations at non-popular times because they can't get off. So 
Start thinking about the financial aspects of retirement. Start thinking about what you want to do with yourself and your family. A lot of you will be empty nesters when you retire, so you'll get to start doing stuff with your kids, with your grandkids, with all those things, and you'll start to, that's another way that you save money. Maybe you don't quite need as much money in retirement because your vacations are going to be cheaper. You're not, don't have as many ongoing expenses. Shoot for ways to make sure all your expenses, your like credit cards and your debt are paid off by the time you retire. It's not, it's, it's not the norm anymore. Most people still have debt when they retire, but start looking for ways that you can pay it off a little chunk at a time. If you've got a lot of credit card debt, well, maybe this year the market went up quite a bit. And if you're retired, you take that piece and you pay off your most expensive credit card. You know, it's just common sense stuff. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to go ahead and pay off my house. Well, odds are your house probably has the cheapest interest rate of anything that you're in debt for. So pay it off from top to bottom based on the interest rate you're paying. And most likely that means uh, pay off your credit cards first. And bottom line, enjoy your retirement. If you're in your 20s and can live without, just even if it's 10 bucks a paycheck, start investing in things and make sure your retirement is a happy one. Make sure you get to do the things you love on your schedule and you will be happy you did. All right. We are out of school where I live in Kentucky. I just did a volleyball match earlier today while I was recording this. I'm recording it on a Saturday. And they were telling me where they are. They still have three more weeks of school. So everybody's going to be a little bit different. But think about your retirement. Think about what's going to make you happy, what's going to make your the rest of your family happy, preparing ahead. It's all good stuff. We're all in this together. Your retirement be, needs to be a time when you're comfortable both with your money that you have left and with what you can now get yourself involved with, okay? We're going to talk about teachers next week, and then hopefully I'm going to set up some interviews with some of my students because I'm going to already miss them by then. So they know I'm going to be contacting them, and I hope to have some interviews for you as we do that. So we'll see you next week on Substitute Teachers Lounge. Provided by Ben Sound.